0: Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies Mike and Mike go to the movies Yeah! You have chosen wisely Hello and welcome to the dark universe of podcasts which means there have been several unsuccessful attempts to make a good one of these, but we're going to get it right one of these days. It's Mike and Mike Coat at the Movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is... Wait a minute. Mike no. up.
1: No. Oh, <laughs> you no! You stepped
0: on my bit, Mike. Come you on. gotta tell me
1: about <laughs> the bit.
0: I was going to do a whole bit where I pretended not to see you, uh, because, you know, you're invisible, like some kind of invisible man should i redo the bit now that it's who says
1: i'm not invisible it's an audio (laughs) medium mike
0: oh man you're right okay i'll redo it i'm mike smith and joining me as always is whoa wait a minute where did he go okay (laughs) 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 i feel like i didn't sell that as well as i maybe would have if i had done it the first time but it's fine uh yeah mike decrucio is here the possibly invisible possibly not invisible man
1: can neither confirm nor deny
0: Exactly. Uh, also joining us today, a returning guest of the show, uh, you're going to remember him from such podcasts as Halloween, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Dark Phoenix, uh, Nick Werman. <laughs> Welcome back to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies.
2: I am clearly visible, and I'm happy you recognize that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, there's only one Invisible Man, until you get to the Invisible Man sequels. Invisible Men? Invisible, <laughs> invisible Mans with a dollar sign? Uh, we'll figure that out later. Now, Nick, you were originally uh, scheduled to join us for our No Time to Die episode, which was supposed to take place in April, but due to recent events, uh, (laughs) that one had to move and you're jumping on this one instead.
2: Yeah, they uh they really dog dicked us there, but uh I'm I'm happy that they got a few more months to make some quality films. So uh hopefully. And it and it gives us the full chance to do a full uh rewatch of the entire series in a six hour podcast. I'm saying it on the recording so that way you are
0: legally obliged to do it.
1: Um our spinoff spin-off podcast. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean Why not? A, I mean, there's already James Bonding, that's a podcast that exists already, so we don't really need to do that yeah. wow. thing.
2: They haven't released anything in like a year and a half. Also, there's a possibility we're all going to be stuck in our homes for several months. So you're going to need something to do.
0: That's true. So yeah, might as well just be watching James Bond movies that entire time. Uh, yeah. I mean, our original plan was to do a retrospective of like just the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. And now that it's delayed until November, like anything could happen. 24 James (laughs) Bond movies. Why not? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> if we're all stuck, yeah, if we're all stuck inside over the summer, might as well just uh, use that time to watch from James Bond. Now, all the theme songs you can hear this episode were created by Kyle Cullen. Our logo was designed by Jacob Hut or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us and respond to something we did in the show, uh, you can email us over at Mike, Mike, Go to the at gmail.com. Uh, so today we're going to do some film news as we discuss No Time to Die's sudden release date uh, change and other things that have been impacted uh, by the coronavirus, uh, including possibly this very podcast. Uh, and then after that, we're going to do some discussions, followed by our featured review of Lee Whannell's new movie, The Invisible Man. Were you guys uh, excited for The Invisible Man?
2: Yeah. Cool. Me too. That's <laughs> it. I really liked Upgrade, and I was I was excited that they were going to do something different. Uh, as a big uh, Dracula Untold supporter, I felt that I really wasn't going to get <laughs> anything else past that point. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Carter's I said it ever... was fine.
0: I don't ever heard the sentence as a big Dracula Untold supporter. <laughs> yeah, Call it, if you want, I can keep saying
2: it. There's a lot of time left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually now that we're now that it's up here, if you actually have, like, I've never seen Dracula Untold. I've heard it's really terrible, uh, but I'm curious to hear your take on that movie. Uh, get, we'll get into that in our featured review of The Invisible Man, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to uh, ch- uh, to talk about this movie with you guys. I'm excited to check it out because I really like upgrade, also, uh, and also because I love Elizabeth Moss. I think she's one of the best actresses working today, and so I was excited to see her. In the lead role in this movie And Mike, did you ever see Upgrade? I remember we were talking about it when it came out I don't think you ever saw it, right?
1: Yeah, I never got around to it But oh, it's man. it's like very readily available So I have no excuse now
0: <laughs> Is it available? Like, is it on like Netflix or something? Do we know?
1: I think so Or it's on HBO Go or some shit It's around
0: okay. It's on some kind of streaming service That we should have researched Before we began the podcast But we did not uh, <laughs> Who prepares? Anyway, uh, before we get into our review Of The Invisible Man And our discussions We gotta talk about some film news Hi! It's
3: time for what?
0: All right, it's time for some film news here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, and... Uh, We're bringing back film news today because, uh, you know, uh, this is like film news to an extent, I guess, is kind of what we're saying. Um, It's more just like world news that happens to be impacting basically every industry in the world, including the film industry. Uh, And that is the uh, ongoing spread of the coronavirus, um, which, as of this recording, has been, you know, kind of more rapidly spreading throughout the U.S. Uh, I know in Washington, that's where most of the deaths have been had so far. Uh, I think it was like 500 or so people that have been infected with it. At this point, uh, and as far as the film industry goes, uh, I mean, we just ta- we referenced it earlier. Uh, the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, was supposed to be coming out in April, like less than a month away at this as of this recording or just about a month away now. Uh, and it's been pushed back until November because there's no theaters in China that are open to play the movie, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, they're pushing it back until November. And uh, actually, I just heard word today that's on Peter Rabbit 2, uh, also as highly anticipated as of a, a movie as James Bond. Uh, has also been pushed back. I think that was supposed to be out in a couple of weeks and that's going to be coming out in uh, August now, I believe. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so th- this could be just the first of like a wave of major movies. Like who knows, like what's going to be happening over the next few months. Uh, you know, there's like uh, the entire summer blockbuster season could just be completely empty because of this, uh, this reason. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, No Time to Die, push back until November and other big kind of film related events like Southwest um, completely canceled this year. Um, due to the coronavirus, it was supposed to be taking place in March and, uh, in the weeks leading up to it, a lot of the, um, sponsors and like exhibitors at the event were pulling out, uh, like Apple and stuff. were just like leaving the event and stuff. So, uh, the event itself was outright canceled. Uh, and apparently that's going to be such like a financial hit that they might not even be able to put it on next year. Um wow because like they like they lose so much money in not putting on south by southwest this year uh and that's affecting a lot of people of course uh and actually word today came through that coachella is being delayed uh it's like possible that the canned film Festival is canceled this year too it's really affecting a lot of stuff uh in addition to obviously being a virus that's infecting actual people too um <laughs> so uh i mean mike you wanted to kind of bring this up on the podcast because uh, you know it's it, it's could it could affect the podcast in the near future
1: yeah i mean uh it's it's a kind of scary thing right now like it's kind of okay but uh i have basically zero faith that uh our uh, the u.s response to this has uh been anything adequate close to adequate so right. like I, I hope like society doesn't melt down but like also i also don't want to go sit in a crowded movie theater uh every two weeks <laughs> and potentially <laughs> bring this home to my parents or to anybody right so I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with the podcast per se you know
0: yeah I think as, as of right now obviously I think the plan is just to keep the podcast going but once you know things if things start to break out and heat up uh, over the next few weeks or months we're gonna have to change things up a little bit like I think you know the pod like maybe even put this podcast on hiatus and just do the, uh, the Goldblum podcast uh, for a weekly thing because we can do that from home at least yeah, um, yeah so.
2: Mike and Mike stay at home
0: yeah it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd it's a have more
2: sedentary get, version.
0: We have to get Kyle to record a new theme song, um, but yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> get new art. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah something exactly. less energetic. Just you know, just vibing. I
0: don't know. Just, more just, just uh, slouching on the couch in the in the artwork in the, on on iTunes. It's just the the exactly. Beavis and Butthead
1: giggles is our uh, <laughs> our theme song.
0: Honestly, that would be a pretty accurate representation of the podcast as it is right now. Anyway, so that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, obviously we want to keep it going, um, but it might not be possible in the months ahead if it gets as bad as people fear it might. I know it's already reached your county, right, Mike? It's in, like, your area?
1: Yeah, it's on Long Island. It's in the city. I think just today, uh, Governor Cuomo, like, quarantined New Rochelle, basically. It was, like, shut it down. I think he even called in the National Guard, which is wild, Uh, and, like, canceled all public events, large gatherings, like, no weddings, no nothing. Like, everything shut down. Wow. so hopefully that helps. Um, and I hope that doesn't happen everywhere else. <laughs> um, right. But there's definitely like a future where that is the case. And that's, that's scary. Uh, so if everything closes and we can't go to the movies and, and it like really goes nuts, uh, we'll we got Goldbloom. We'll just do Goldbloom every week. It'll well, be fine.
0: Yeah, we can just do Goldbloom every week. We also pitched the idea. I think I threw this out as a joke, but I kind of like it where we just keep watching the movie Contagion over and over again. Uh, <laughs> like every episode is just us reviewing Contagion until we slowly go insane. <laughs>
1: It's Contagion Every Minute or whatever that podcast is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars
0: Star, Star Wars Minute, but it's the Contagion Minute or, yeah. uh, or something like that. Like,
1: might be, might be sort of insensitive, but I'm in. Yeah,
0: I mean, possibly. But you never <laughs> know. It's falling apart. What do you we, have to lose? So. Once, we finish yeah. Con- once we finish Contagion, we can move on to Outbreak, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is on Netflix right now. If anybody wants to watch, you know, a fun little movie <laughs> about a yeah. virus. Is Friday. now
2: the time for plugs? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I mean, there's uh, ideas. We're going to obviously keep podcasting, at least doing the Goldbloom podcast um, yeah. as this goes forward. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely scary stuff. Uh, and so far, I mean, it has not hit Montana yet, um, but it's been pretty concentrated in Washington, which is very close by. Um, so it will likely be here soon, too. Like, it's basically just a matter of time is what they're saying. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're, we're going to see how it goes. Nick, uh, Nick you, I mean, has, it's. I know it's in the Hudson Valley, which is where you're at right now.
2: Yeah, um, and we've had a lot of work meetings where basically we've had to cancel all outdoor conferences and basically anyone coming into our facility, which is great for me because I have a ton less work to do.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> but yeah, every every few days is another CDC call-in where they basically say, we don't know what to do about it, but you should probably just tell people to stay home. Also, we don't have any sick leave plans, so uh, perfect. they're probably just not going to get paid. Um, so it's really, really, really reassuring when you hear people say, well, how is this going to affect your bottom line, uh, while you're yeah. worrying about a virus? So, um, yeah, I'm happy everything's in the right place. So I'm not worried at all.
1: <laughs> classic, classic <laughs> capitalism. I was just speaking with our good friend, uh, producer Colin, uh, his, his company, uh, sent him to a work, uh, like expo thing, uh, like now, like right oh, now, geez, really? <laughs> and like they had to go, yeah. Fly across country. So Colin, if you're listening to this, uh, I hope you're not dead. <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think
2: hiring a hitman's a bit more expensive, so this could just be cheaper.
1: That's true. That yeah. He's it. too powerful.
0: <laughs> I mean, they know he's the producer of our show, so it's, you know, it's one of those things You take you cut off the head and uh, you, the snake will die. Right. That's sort of how, it, how it
1: goes. I think that's how it
0: goes. <laughs> yeah. It's the not like a hydra
2: is, of producers.
0: Maybe not. I guess. Yeah. Cut off the head and two more <laughs> take its place. Would two Collins yeah. rise up from the torso of Colin if his head got jumped <laughs> off?
1: That's the worst (laughs) mental image, and we should we should leave this segment with that in the audience's mind. I
0: think. All right, but uh, yeah. So if it comes to pass where it becomes unsafe to leave the house for a while, I mean, obviously we'll figure out we'll figure it out. Probably just be doing gold bloom, Uh, but we're gonna do this as long as we can, and hopefully we're just being overly cautious by thinking about it in these terms. Um, Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, wash your damn hands, people. That's (laughs) that's basically it. Uh, You know, try to be as safe as possible out there but uh, all right so i think that uh, kind of wraps up our you know discussion about that and kind of addressing what we're going to do with this podcast in the near future and uh hopefully nick will be able to have you on again in november for no time to die uh when that movie actually comes out
2: if it ever does if it
0: ever does <laughs> i i actually... society
1: Still exists. I,
0: you know what will be great? I, I'm actually really curious to see if New Mutants holds in its uh, spot.
1: Whoa. <laughs> because I hope that's the only movie
2: left come July. <laughs> I think New Mutants were the ones who created this virus, so that way they have an excuse to push back the movie a few more times. So, you're hearing it here first. It's so. all a vast conspiracy.
0: It's been two <laughs> yeah. years and multiple delays. If New Mutants gets delayed one more time because of this, man, it's just not coming out but uh, yeah because I mean it's, it's only a few weeks away now we're, we're right there yeah. we're right in the cusp of New Mutants um, but anyway alright so that about wraps up our film new segment guys let's move on into our discussions watch this
3: these are my discussions just when I thought I said all I
0: could say my buddy and I talk about movies we see these are my discussions there is so much to see you and me so we're gonna talk about movies for our discussions all right, now that uh, cheerful discussion is out of the way, uh, we got to do some discussions where we kind of talk about the uh, media that we've been consuming lately, and uh, Nick, what do you got for us today?
2: Uh, well, starting off, uh, there was a movie that was actually recommended from this podcast, sometimes known as Daddy's Little Darlings and other times known as uh, just Pigs.
1: Pigs? Um,
2: <laughs> I hate the synchronization you two had with that, but whatever. <laughs> um... I was I was looking forward to it. I believe I heard of uh, the 1977 movie How Sue from this podcast, and now I own the Criterion Blu-ray of it. I love it. One of my favorite uh, movies. Uh, yeah, I hope Pigs isn't one of your favorite movies, because it's... I don't know. I feel like if you're selling a movie based off pigs, you got to have pigs every shot. It's like, I don't know. They, they didn't call it Titanic, so you could spend the whole time waiting on the dock. You just want to see the pigs. So... I come into this, I'm all full of high hopes. I'm seeing that it's that old mob guy who's, Mike described, was in a bunch of 20s and 30s movies and then was also in a bunch of James Bond movies, too, as like a weird mafioso character. I was pumped. He does nothing. The pigs barely do anything. It's just weird revenge fantasy, and there's pigs for some reason. I do admit that the pigs are, it's, it's gross, but I'm not scared of it i also my limbs are not made of bread so i have no i have no fear that i'm gonna get eaten by pigs um so i i can say it here now that i'm on the podcast that uh, i'm officially uh, no longer a listener uh you've, you've swayed me in the wrong
0: direction and if this is how you treat your fans i don't want to be a part of it
3: um
2: oh,
0: man so you're saying you did not immediately go and buy the vinegar syndrome blu-ray of pigs as soon as you finish watching the movie is that uh, what you're saying I sent a letter to Jeff Bezos and said, please remove this
2: from Amazon Prime.
0: (laughs) Interesting. I I still have not watched Pigs yet. Uh, Mike watched it and he recommended it. I think it was the last episode we did. Uh, Yeah. And then I saw that you, that Nick, you watched it on Letterboxd, you logged it on Letterboxd and gave it one star. And I was like, oh my God, did he watch Pigs because Mike recommended it? (laughs) Uh, and I'm I'm glad that we still have that kind of sway over your watching habits. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, that's out of control. I'm sorry that it uh, turned out to be a movie that you despised.
2: <laughs> in in all honesty, I don't think most things sway my watching policies. I saw Boo Two and Medea Halloween in theaters by myself, so I'm basically looking for any excuse to just rack up numbers <laughs> as opposed to quality. Um,
1: <laughs> but
2: yeah, frankly, I was a little bit disappointed. And uh, it, do you have do you have any means to defend yourself, Mike?
1: Uh, I mean, look, I'm not going to go to bat for pigs too hard. But you gave it three <laughs> out
2: of five stars. I'm just putting I did that give out it three there. out of five,
1: <laughs> um, which is like my baseline. Uh, but did, so you watched the like Daddy's Deadly Darling version or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, the Amazon one. Now that's I, I'm interested to to uh, compare that because I actually listened to another podcast. I think it was called When Animals Attack because they're specifically talking about okay. pigs that episode. Um, <laughs> And the two hosts had watched the two different, like one of them had watched Vinegar Syndrome and one had watched the uh, Amazon version. Uh, And they seem like pretty drastically different. Like did yours ends with a like her picking up hitchhiker thing, right?
2: It ends with the farmer picking up the jewelry from one of the people who had gone missing and then it fades away. I believe uh, okay. there's also uh, oinking noises, but you know that's just the sherry on Interesting. top. Interesting. Um, so you're telling me there's a Snyder cut version of pigs yeah. that I'm just
1: not aware of. There's like three cuts of this movie. Yeah, the vinegar syndrome has all like I think two or three alternate e- openings and two alternate endings. Yeah, so it's like this weird like has been sliced and re released four or five times kind of thing. So like it's fine. Like yeah, I-, I liked it. It's good. It's weird. It's like this weird father daughter thing, like them just descending into murdering people and feeding them to pigs. And, like, that's fun, I guess, for me. Are you, uh, are
2: you sure you're not getting paid by vinegar syndrome to <laughs> get me to buy a Blu-ray? I
1: wish. I really wish. I, I I'll I bring it to you. I'll mail it to you.
2: <laughs> so, okay.
0: <Yeah>. I appreciate <laughs> that.
1: This is
2: yeah, now don't a, go outdoors in this climate. That's exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is now a pig's podcast, by the way. This is all we're talking about from this point <laughs> forward on the show. Brought, brought to you Any, by pigs. Anytime we have another guest in the show, they are required to watch pigs and give us their thoughts on yes. this movie. I still got to watch it. I But I only really have access to the one on Amazon Prime. So now, But now I feel like, oh, man, now I feel like I need to watch this. <laughs> if I bought cut, two
1: more copies director, of this goddamn movie. The
0: true vision of pigs, uh, it really needs to be preserved in amber. So, yeah, maybe, maybe when a vinegar syndrome goes on sale again, I might uh, jump on that. Yeah. We'll see i'll uh, I'll
1: buy two more copies of it and mail one to each of you and we'll I'll prove you wrong <laughs> I'm you really, to I don't really care that much this it's, is gonna, like, this is gonna,
0: this is actually gonna be what the podcast is when we can't go anywhere because of the coronavirus it's just us talking <laughs> about pigs in and, and it's
2: various different versions we pick yes. a different one every
0: time <laughs> yes. I'm in sometimes when we pick some massive versions, like we' will play one opening and a different closing and <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> Pigs on yes. shuffle—that could be the name of the podcast. I'm in.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, with that name, who's gonna pass it up? Pigs on exactly. come on,
1: <laughs> pigs on parades right there, yep. Come on. Whenever
0: the pigs aren't on screen, all the other characters should be asking, "Where are the pigs? Where are the
1: pigs?" <laughs> come on, you gotta admit to the sheriff's a hunk. Come on.
2: Okay, I'm I'm not there to rank scales of hotness. <laughs> I, I, I'm here to see
1: pigs. Fair. <laughs>
0: All right. So that's that's pigs. Once again, hopefully we get to talk about this movie a lot more in the near future. <laughs> but Nick, you had a couple of movies you want to bring up?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, so in preparation for the new film version of the Jane Austen novel, Emma, I watched the 1995 version starring Alicia Silverstone uh, called Clueless.
0: Probably the um, defended version of the uh, novel Emma on film, I would probably guess. Right. <laughs>
2: Uh, it, I've never read the book. Uh, I've only seen Clueless, <laughs> like, six times, and I realized, uh, like, on my fifth viewing, someone explained to me, oh, this is based on a book, and I was like, bullshit. Um, apparently it is.
3: So, okay. Like, right now, for
2: example, the Haitians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right... I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP, so I was, like, totally buggin'. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings, but by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Thank you very much. But it taught me everything I needed to know about the Valley Girl lifestyle, and also uh it's not about, you know, matchmaking for other people, it's about finding what works best for you in the end. So uh Yeah, I don't know. It, the movie's 25 years old, it's 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 neat. <laughs> um standout performances you got uh dan hadaya playing the dad and somehow his his shirt stays on him even though we all know he's got all that chest hair uh (laughs) every single scene is him screaming at some character on screen or off screen and it's just it's just perfection of 90s glory and yeah it's it does a fairly good retelling of the story from what i understand at least based off the two versions i've seen um but yeah clueless uh i don't think it's streaming on anything otherwise i wasted 2.99 renting it (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's a solid flick. And if you just want to reminisce in nineties lingo and see a very young Paul Rudd, just be a hunk. It's, uh, it's everything that pigs isn't um,
0: <laughs> clueless that anti pigs yeah. <laughs> put that on the poster. <laughs> yeah. I and love that. I'll-
2: I'll just say it. She was great in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Just put Alicia Silverstone back in things. Like, yeah, you know, it's, I, I it's about saw, time
0: she has her comeback. I recently saw her in a movie called The Lodge, actually, which I meant to put in my discussions and I forgot to. Oh no but, way! Uh, uh, yeah, but she's like, she's only in like a bit of it, but uh, she's pretty solid when she was in there. Uh, worth checking out The Lodge, by the way. It's it's a horror movie, kind of an indie horror movie. Uh, it's not great. I think it's really dumb, but it's really like fun to look <laughs> at. It's, it's <laughs> like it's Pigs! Uh <laughs> Oh god. Pigs is not uh, fun to look at. Pigs is gross.
1: The great Zam Zambon- Zambroni? What the hell's his name? Zambroni? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. You're you're expecting anyway. me to
2: remember far too much of pigs. Uh, <laughs> uh but
0: does pigs have the money Mighty bottle stones? Is my question, guys, uh, because... No, it does not. Okay, the, so point yeah. point clueless is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, if the
2: stones are in the movie, I'm gonna watch the movie. And they're, <laughs> they're in the background soundtrack when the movie ends, too, their faces are shown on screen. It's it's everything you could ever want out of a mid-90s movie.
0: Yeah. That's always um, one of my favorite jokes on uh, on BoJack Horseman. Um, was, oh, yeah. was when Mr. Peanut Player is like, hey, you want to come? I got some Stones tickets. And BoJack's like, you got tickets to the Rolling Stones? No, the Mighty Mighty Boston's. Stones. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ignoring me? Because that is the impression that I get. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> uh, unrelated, BoJack Horseman, best show on TV. But uh... Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah,
2: anyway, that was a, a lead-in to watching the newer version of Emma, uh, which, uh, again, follows the regular storyline very uh, to the point, as far as I understand it, having yeah. not read the book. Uh, but basically, yeah, a young, young matchmaker. She's rich, and then she helps other people find love until she can find it for herself and realize something within. And it is just the wittiest british movie I've ever seen in my entire life, where it's just blank stares that are just you know that there's some inner brooding in there and you're laughing and you don't really know why. (laughs) Mia Goth, who I've only ever seen play in disgusting movies like Suspiria or uh, High Life, is just the perfect, like, kind of ditzy friend of hers she's playing the uh the britney murphy character from clueless again i should probably not be referring to (laughs) clueless as the baseline for emma but clueless is the
0: definitive adaptation emma is based on clueless (laughs) why am i even talking about emma let's just move on Um,
2: (laughs) but i know what you're all wondering is dan Hadaya in this one unfortunately (laughs) he is not but in his stead we are introduced to bill Nye who the entire time is just trying to figure out why there's this draft in his house. And he just looks like he's made of a plank of wood. All of his clothes are just so tight. And if they're going to remake Nosferatu, I feel like he's the guy to do it. So <laughs> Whoa. I'm not good at reviewing movies, but I could tell you a lot of background thoughts that I had in my mind while it was going on. So that's number one. I'm pretty sure they sampled the Metal Gear Solid like alert noise as part of the score whenever <laughs> one character showed up. And Incredible! it's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> um, or maybe I'm losing my mind. Who knows? I'm focusing on the wrong things here. Anyway, Emma is just a beautifully shot movie. It reminds me a lot of The Favourites, specifically with just these very intense like exterior shots with almost like a fisheye view of certain yeah. elements. It's very Barry Lyndon, too. And just like the costume design is gorgeous. So many collars covering faces and just... Uh, it's 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 like a starch rash's worst nightmare and that's all i can think about the entire movie and I, as someone again who has only seen one other version multiple times i can say that it's
0: a it's a solid uh adaptation of clueless <laughs> nice nice yeah i saw i i have seen the trailer for Emma. no joke like probably like fifty thousand times at this point <laughs> um because it's 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 been playing like i think it was supposed to come to missoula like over a month ago and it never did. It finally came here this week, and I've been meaning to check it out. Um, But the trailer for it has been playing at the Roxy, which is the indie theater near my house in Missoula, Montana. Uh, How is it? It is. Uh, It's been playing at the Roxy like nonstop since like November and I see a lot of movies at the Roxy and every movie I've seen, the trailer for Emma has been in front of it and it's the same trailer over and over again. So I feel like I've seen the movie like 50 times at this point, Um, but I'm excited to check it out. And and you bring up the favorite, like watching the trailer, the favorite is like the movie that stood out in my mind when I was watching it. Like it just looks like that influence seems like it's really high up there
2: for me. And yeah, I feel like that's the best thing you can get out of a period piece movie at this point is just these These breathtaking visuals, because otherwise you're just getting stuffy people in rich houses, and you know right. I it kill the rich, so why would I bother looking at them?
0: <laughs> yeah uh, but I think you're dodging the most important question, which are there pigs in Emma? There's several horses.
2: <laughs> I believe there's a goose uh there's no Horatio fastest duck in the city to bring it back to the favorite, but um <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately, when it comes to Emma versus pigs. Pigs wins when it comes to pigs, so <laughs> all right. I'll give you one here, Mike. But watch yourself, Cassidy. <laughs> that goes in the W column. Okay, there you go. Uh, all
0: right, so Nick, that's what you got, Mike. What do you have to uh, discuss with us today? Please tell me you watch pigs again, so
1: you can. <laughs> no, we're gonna watch it for next episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, real quick, I want to shout out the Outsider, uh, the HBO uh, miniseries ended uh, last night or on Sunday, rather, uh, okay. and. It- it was pretty good. The finale itself was like a little underwhelming. It kind of I don't know if there's an announced uh season 2 type thing, but it kind of like okay, we have to wrap up a lot of all the loose ends and end it as if it seemed like you know kind of ended very neatly. Uh okay. which it is fine. Stephen like King that's thing, cool. right? Yes, it's a Stephen King adaptation. Okay, that uh, checks but it out. It definitely Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely has uh yeah, exactly. Uh it, it has a end. The book, I don't know. I didn't read the book actually. Uh, so I assume okay. it ends. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>.
2: but... <laughs> Maybe there's a better way to ask that question. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know what
3: you're
1: saying. So, but it definitely it definitely kind of like leaves some things open that like there's the car- character you can follow on other cases kind of thing. Okay. Um, but overall, I really, really enjoyed this show. It's dark and weird. And I felt like such an idiot uh, after last episode, I think it was, when I mentioned that I had watched it. And I was like, yeah, these like these character actor guys that, uh, you know, I so recognize from stuff, you know, but I don't really know all their names. And then your, the clip you picked was uh, Jason Bateman. Talking <laughs> and I, uh, somehow I forgot to mention that he's in the show. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, it's really cool. It's dark. It's like got that True Detective season one vibes. I just wish like if it had been like eight or six episodes, like we got that BBC cut. Uh, I think it would have been a really tight episode, but we have to have a couple of those like filler come before the storm type episodes to drag it out to eight, 10. Um okay. so like you know kind of, kind of flip the landing but overall really good, you know? Okay, which cool. Stephen King stuff, you know. Sure. And then I have a bunch of movies. Um the first of which I want to talk about is The Suspicious Death of a Miner. And this is from the uh, Arrow Sale where I went crazy and bought all the Italian giallo uh horror. Right. Movies. I forget who directed this one, but I think it's from like 1980 something or so. Uh, and this is the f- funniest movie I've seen in a while, which is very weird. Cause it's about a detective I- in Rome uh, investigating a, a underground underage trafficking uh, <laughs> ring. And it's okay. fucking bizarre. It's the weirdest fucking, like it's just goofy and, and bright. And uh, like this movie has a, climax well not even a climax because it happened this movie is like i think two over two hours long but it has this big moment where it's these this guy is a, on a roller coaster at like a fair with his, like his young nephew and he sees one of the guys he's been hunting is also on the roller coaster and a shootout breaks out on the roller coaster between the two different cars uh, like twisting around and it's the funniest fucking thing and then they, they jump out, and it ends in, like, this big foot chase and stuff. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a shootout on a roller coaster, which is yeah, that wild. Sounds nuts. Yeah, and it's violent and crazy, and it's just, it's, it's a big goof with this, like, vast conspiracy with the cops and the, the guys, like, the, this secret kidnapping uh, task force because the people that get kidnapped, the families, don't want the cops ever involved, so, like, they have to lie about it. And, like, all this weird, crazy shit going on. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's got this floaty camera thing, which uh, is, like, you know, kind of De Palma type stuff where it's like we're kind of just like walking through crowds bumping into people with the camera and weird <laughs> shit like that um so that's fun that, that's suspicious death of a minor uh and the next one i want to talk about is uh another one of these jello films from dario argento and that's opera and this might be the best movie made ever in, in history um it's got <laughs> uh it's it's wild it's about uh this, this i mean how can singer. it be if
0: there's no pigs in it like
1: <laughs> if there's no pigs this one doesn't have pigs but the plot literally hinges on ravens um and that's okay. incredible uh nice it's about this... <laughs> 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 and uh it follows this opera singer who's being like uh uh tormented by this you know black mask black glove uh serial killer guy who stalks her through her life uh ties her up and then puts uh like pins like tapes pins to her uh, bottom eyelid and then they go under her top eyelid. So if she closes her eyes, uh, she'll like tear her eyes out and then makes her watch as he murders people that are important to her uh, <laughs> like over and yeah. over again. And it's just demented and bizarre, and it's operatic, um, <laughs> one might say. <laughs> and it's it's filmed in a lot of these like beautiful Italian opera houses and just like gorgeous architecture, and and it's sort of uh there's a lot of like grand piano kind of thing going on where like she's Ooh. being like help held hostage and has to be part partake in these murders and stuff like that. Uh, and the cops think it's her and the twisty turny, uh, crazy story plot stuff. Uh, and it's just gorgeous. And it also has that floaty camera thing. Yeah. So that's opera. Definitely, definitely recommend higher, higher recommendation than pigs, Nick. So if I can prove myself, right.
2: (laughs) I don't know if I trust you anymore,
1: but you know, (laughs) I might've blown my chance. So you're saying Nick might give it a two-star rating instead of a one-star rating. Instead so of a one-star, I think so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh,
0: yeah, no, I would love to see that. I mean, that, Ar- Argento is one I've been wanting to get into for a while. I, I've seen the original Suspiria, and I've seen Tenebrae. And I think that's basically, I think, yes. I think those are the only two I've seen of, are of Argento. So uh, Opera, I'm going to try to seek that one out soon.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely recommend it. I have Tenebrae. Uh, I'm, that's definitely on the list, so I'm excited to get to that eventually. And then a few more things, real quick. Uh, one is A Dark Song from 2016 for the next two days i'm going to unshackle the house from the world you mustn't leave the circle no food no water focus on the stone i've given you fall into it swallow the pain and discomfort on the third morning we will break for water and food then we'll do the same thing in the back two rooms six days
3: I'll stop squares.
1: And this is a British horror movie. That's like a procedural horror movie. It's it's pretty interesting. It's about this um, woman who has like gone through some some grief or or you know is grieving of some sort, and uh, she hires this guy to come to this house, like this country manor house thing, and uh, perform this occult ritual so that she can talk to her dead son. And it like is kind of just. Like a proceed, it's two characters in the house the whole time and they steal themselves in, you know, like a ring of salt kind of like, you know, occult ritual thing. Uh, and they're just trapped in the house uh, while this thing goes on and, you know, it goes off the rails and there are demons and ghosts and weird spooky shit. Um, and it's really intense and beautiful and like about faith and grief and what that means and what that can do to people. So yeah, definitely recommend. I think it's like, you know, a little under like an hour and a half ish or so uh so it's like a real tight tightly paced um spooky scary uh story about occult cult rituals and what that can do uh so that's a dark song definitely recommend and then one more finally i have a lot of things okay. sorry uh last one is uh <laughs> 2019 i think dark waters starring mark ruffalo
0: my number eight movie of the year according to our top 10 episode
1: yeah there you go uh, I, I I tweeted about this, that it almost feels like some kind of corporate conspiracy that this movie got buried after you've seen it. Um, Cause <laughs> I feel like this should have been a real big fucking deal. <laughs> what This movie is dealing with, uh, you know, Mark Ruffalo is a corporate defense lawyer gets roped into investigating. How come all these, this guy's cows are dying. Uh, and it, it turns out uh, it, it's DuPont, you know, capitalism uh, <laughs> c- killed the world. Basically, um, <laughs> And it ends in a hopeful yet very bleak uh, point about, you know, what they're investigating still uh, how many years after this all started. Uh, But yeah, Ruffalo is incredible in this and his like kind of descent into madness, uh, just being roped into this. Uh, And Anne Hathaway is amazing as his wife. I wish she kind of had more to do. She definitely gets relegated to like a housewife that has to support her crazy husband.
0: Right. The wife role. But I think she does like the best you can possibly do with that kind of role. Yeah. She's great.
1: Yeah, she was really good. And uh, there's a lot of other people in this. What is it? Tim Robbins, I think, right? Is like the Uh, lawyer? Tim Tim Robbins is like Mark Ruffalo's
0: boss in the movie. Yeah, Um, I think, is Bill Pullman in the movie too? Uh, Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Pullman's in there. And Bill Camp also as the uh, the guy who um, hires Mark Ruffalo in the first place. I think it's incredible. He's so good in this movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, available to rent on Amazon, so it's like. You got to pay a bazillion dollar corporation to see the movie about what evil <laughs> bazillion dollar corporations do. <laughs> but like, I think it's worth it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. dark waters.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Nick, did you see uh, dark Waters starring your personal friend, Mark Ruffalo?
2: I don't see movies uh, with people I know and I'm a little bit above it. Um, <laughs> now, Mike, do you think, do you think this movie would have gotten more traction if the farmer's pigs had died instead of his cows?
1: I mean, I think pigs are a uh, you know more empathetic creature than cows. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying.
0: I, mean, <laughs> I think if you, if you just swapped a couple of things in the movie, this could be like a stealth remake of pigs. <laughs> if Mark Ruffalo went on a killing spree, and fed and fed the lawyers of Dupont to the pigs that are taking place at the guys' cows, we'd have a movie right here. It'd be pigs too. I'm, I- Yeah, I'm sure that was the original (laughs) script. I'm sure it was, yes. So yeah, Dark Waters, great movie. My number eight movie of the year. I'm I'm glad you finally got to watch it, Mike. All right, and then then I got a few discussions to uh, get through today. Uh, Some recent ones I want to throw out there. Uh, I saw The Way Back, which is the new movie uh, directed by Gavin O'Connor, who made uh, a couple of movies I really like. He made Miracle with Kurt Russell. Um, he also made Warrior with uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton, the MMA movie, um, which I've seen getting like a reappraisal over the past couple days. And I'm really glad it has because that movie fucking rules. It's so good. <laughs> wow. Have you guys seen Warrior? I have not. No? Nick, did you, you haven't seen Warrior?
2: I have not seen Warrior. Uh, I'm scared of people fighting. I'm a very nonviolent person. So uh, <laughs> specifically when it comes to, I don't know, people getting hurt and then fed to pigs, it's just I'm completely against <laughs> it.
0: Um, well, as, as far as my memory goes, I don't believe there are any pigs in Warrior. So there is that. But uh, I, I mean, I haven't seen Warrior in like nine years, like around the time it came out. and I, But I remember it, like, you know, not doing super well at the box office. And, you know, critics kind of see it and be like, yeah, it's pretty good. But like kind of just disappeared. Um, but man, that movie rocks. It's so good. Uh, and, it's, you know, Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, Nick Nolte, give them, like some of the best performances of all of their careers. Uh, and it is like this family drama that happens to be uh, in, at the center of this MMA fighting ring. It's really great. Um, But so Gavin O'Connor, he's since Warrior came out, he made The Accountant with Ben Affleck, um, which, Mike, I know you're a huge fan of, or at least. uh, okay, don't don't get crazy. (laughs) Or at least a casual fan of The Accountant. Yeah, Uh, thank you. (laughs) And now he's uh, back with The Way Back, which uh, also stars Ben Affleck. Uh, And kind of brings Gavin O'Connor back to the sports movie mold where Ben Affleck is this uh, guy who used to be this, like, superstar high school basketball player and has since fallen in on some hard times. He's an alcoholic now. His life has fallen apart. And his old school kind of brings him back as a coach to, uh, like, A, help him out, but also, like, their team is terrible and they need somebody who would be a a decent coach. Um, And as far as, like, just being, like, an inspirational sports movie goes, hits all the beats you would expect it to hit. But it does them pretty effectively. I think Ben Affleck is really great in the movie, uh, and there's one moment about halfway through the movie that I think is just so expertly handled—the way it reveals information about Ben Affleck's past—and um, I won't go into what that is due to spoilers and stuff like that. But like when it when it hits and when it clicks in your mind about what it's revealing, it hits you like a ton of bricks. It's so so effective and emotional. Uh, I think the movie loses its way a little bit towards the end. Uh, I feel like you know it starts to focus more on ben affleck himself and like his like i I feel like i would have liked to see more focus on the actual team of kids that he's coaching um because ben affleck's like the center of this movie and he's very good at being that center but like the rest of the kids are just like hey they're kids and they're (laughs) and they're playing (laughs) basketball and none of them are like super distinguishable from any of the other ones kind of um which is a little unfortunate but uh that is the way back and it's worth checking out it's in theaters right now uh i would recommend going to see it uh also got to see the uh, new pixar movie onward uh which came out this weekend
1: here we go focus Uh something wrong?
0: Sorry, it's just your stance is uh here. Chin up, elbows out, feet apart, back, slightly arched. Okay, how's that feel? Great. Oh, one more thing. Barley! Okay, okay. Magnora? Get you one! Don't let the magic spook you!
2: Okay. Elbows! What? Elbows up! No, 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 it's too
3: high. That's too high. I'm trying to focus here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Focus. Focus on the can. Focus. Focus. Harley, oh, forget
1: it! It worked! The can is huge! And the band is huge! And you're... Oh,
3: no.
0: Which is directed by Dan Scanlon, who made Monsters University. And uh, that's his next movie uh, as a director. Uh, and I've talked about Pixar a lot in this podcast before and how I feel like, you know, their first 15 years as a studio are basically like unimpeachable, uh, like from 95 through 2010. And then from like 2011 onward, they're pretty hit or miss. I, I think there's like, so, like most of their movies are generally decent, but I feel like, you know, the masterpieces that they were cranking out uh, back in the, you know, back when we were kids. And that that's, is partially due to my nostalgia for being a kid and liking Pixar movies. But also I think there was a general, like there is a quality difference, I think, in a lot of these movies. Uh, Plus, there was an increased um, focus on sequels and stuff like that. Now they're kind of shifting back towards original movies, which is nice. Um, With this year, at least they have Onward and Soul coming out. But uh, Onward tells the story of uh, these two elf brothers in this fantasy world um, who never really got the chance to know their dad. He got sick before they were born. Or one of them, uh, like, was very young when their dad got sick and died. And one of them was about to be born. Uh, And so they get the chance to bring him back to life for one whole day. But they they mess it up by, like... Um, doing the spell wrong and they only bring back his bottom half like his pants Um, and so the movie becomes a journey them on a quest to go figure out how to bring back the rest of their dad and it's a pretty effective like family comedy drama Um, the animation's great as always with Pixar things and uh, especially Mike I mean I know you're into all the D&D stuff I think if you're into D&D there's a lot of stuff to like in this movie it it dives very deeply into that kind of uh, those fantasy tropes and the D&D stuff like fantasy role playing games play a key Supporting role in this movie.
1: Um, I think uh, I even remember reading that they had uh, people from D anD D, like writers, consult on the script uh, to get that stuff in there. Oh, really? Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's pretty neat. Uh, and yeah, and you can totally tell that when you're watching the movie too but uh and chris pratt and tom holland are the uh, the two brothers in the movie uh and it does a very good job of just like they like they're pretty good together as brothers they're basically playing star lord and spider-man like from the from the Marvel movies. <laughs> like their like their personalities in those movies are basically the personalities that those characters have uh in this movie and uh yeah they do a pretty good job together julia dreyfus is their mom and she's fun uh and yeah it's I, I think it takes a little bit of a while to get going but uh it does really effectively Uh, set up the conflict of the movie. I mean, one of the interesting things about it is, is it takes place in this fantasy world, but it's a fantasy world that is basically identical to our own. Um, other than the fact that, like, you know, there are elves and uh, centaurs and stuff. Like, all the characters are magical creatures. Um, but, like, the movie kind of establishes early on that, like, magic used to exist, and it did all these incredible things, but only a few people could wield it. And then people figured out easier ways to live. And, like, you see somebody inventing the light bulb and <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and, like, science, like, outpaced all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, like, the world that they live in is basically just our world now. It's And I think Pixar... Does that pretty well in a lot of their movies where it's just like, okay, what's this weird fantasy world that we can can create and then bring it back to like a weird bureaucratic um, sort of style of like stuff that relates to like the actual world? Uh, And Onward does that and it does it pretty effectively. It does take some time to get going, but once it gets going, I think especially in the climax, it works really, really well. Uh, And it's a Pixar movie in the modern day, so it's going to be a tearjerker and it jerks those tears uh, along.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a gross way to say that.
2: Are you sure you're not describing the movie Bright? Because 90% of what you said could be applied there.
0: Uh, I have not seen Bright, actually, so uh, I could not tell, eh. could not okay.
2: tell you. I'm um, not going to give it the old pig's bump, but it's if you want to <laughs> see something bad, it's out
0: there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I heard it was bad. That's why I didn't watch it, actually. Doesn't Joel Edgerton play the elf in that movie or whatever? Uh, yeah. you couldn't it, he yeah he plays an orc but you really
2: couldn't tell unless you're told because he's got like 18 inches of makeup on his face so <laughs>
0: like yeah. he could just be anything and they'd be like yeah he is what, what that is <laughs> exactly basically yeah so okay. uh but yeah so onward pretty good it's the family movie version of bright is basically <laughs> what we're saying uh, i'm happy i chimed in <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, I also wanted to mention that I saw The Call of the Wild, um uh, which is the new movie uh, directed by Chris Sanders, his first live action movie. Um his previous movies are uh, Lilo & Stitch, How to Train Your Dragon, and uh, a little movie that we like to call The Croods. Mike, I know you're a huge Croods fan.
1: Oh yeah, Croods cast baby, let's go. Yeah.
0: Hashtag #WhataboutCrudezcast. Uh yep. Croods is great. Call of the Wild, it's okay. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, I was mean, just this movie's a weird one. Have you seen the trailer? You guys have seen the trailers of this movie?
2: That's the one with the dog, right?
0: Yes, yeah, it's based on the novel The Call of the Wild, and, uh, you know, I had never read The Call of the Wild or seen any other film adaptation of it, Um, but the trailers had led me to believe that it was mostly from Harrison Ford's point of view, Uh, and he was hanging out with the CGI dog the whole time, and it's like a big adventure story for them. Uh, In actuality, it's from the dog's point of view, and Harrison Ford doesn't really show up until the last third of the movie. (laughs) Oh, so it's like Blade Runner. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> right, yeah, Blade Runner 2049, except if you replaced Ryan Gosling with a dog. <laughs> you
2: could basically um, do that in most movies, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, So the dog is, uh, you know, it's, you're kind of just watching that dog as it's learning to survive and be a strong dog and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm not super into those movies, you know, like a dog's <laughs> journey or a dog's purpose or whatever. This movie I think is probably, I mean, I haven't really watched those movies, but this movie seems better than those movies. I think, you know, the CGI dog has caused a lot of like, you know, things about like, well, like, what was the point of like, maybe this should have been a real dog. And I think the animation for the CGI dog actually fits with the movie that is being told uh you know it just feels like it's a very heightened world this movie takes place in uh and the fact that it's a cgi dog like i feel like fits within that world and all the dogs are cgi in the movie uh and it allows for some you know pretty fun set pieces there's like one big thing where the dogs on like a snow team and he's like out running an avalanche and that kind of thing and it's like it's it's fun you get like chris sanders kind of animation background coming in and uh doing pretty good stuff with that um so as an okay adventure movie it does the job uh, and Harrison Ford's pretty good acting against uh, a stuntman in a motion capture suit, um, <laughs> which is what he's acting like. If you watch some of the behind the scenes footage, it's pretty great to watch Like the guy who's actually like um, a relatively acclaimed mocap guy. I think he was actually he was um he was Rocket in the Planet of the Apes movies, uh, the new ones. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. He's the guy who plays the dog in this movie. Uh, so there is that as well. But uh, yes, yeah. but it is funny watching like, the behind the scenes footage of the movie and seeing Harrison Ford interact with like a guy who's pretending to be a dog <laughs> um, because it's Harrison Ford and like he seems like the person who would like tolerate this in the least. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the only thing, the only way it would be worse if it was like Tommy Lee Jones like interacting with this guy. <laughs> this guy. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's an okay time. Uh, I would not say rush out to go see it. But if you're, you know, scrolling past it on TV one day, I- check it out. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, especially if you like dogs, if you like dogs, you're gonna love it probably. And then finally, one last movie I wanted to mention on this, um, discussions before we move on to our featured review. Uh, I did get a chance to watch Tammy and the T Rex: The Gore Cuts. Everything in Tammy's life is just great, but when you're young and in love, life can get very complicated, especially when it involves an insanely jealous creep.
3: That's my
1: lady, all right. <clears throat>
0: Late-night phone calls.
1: I want you to come over. Yes!
0: Sneaking around in your own house. Did you lock the door?
1: Don't worry.
0: Your boyfriend getting dumped in a wild animal park. And a crazy doctor. Well, that's it. Who turns out to be a mad scientist. And if you're going to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs, right?
2: With an insane
0: invention that only needs a brain. But this Tyrannosaurus Rex just wants to be a party animal. This movie has been talked about a lot in, like, you know, Blu-ray circles over the past, like, few months um, because Vinegar Syndrome released a new 4K restoration of this movie. um, And they released it as the gore cut. So when this movie first came out in 1994, um, A, it was basically, like, trying to uh, capitalize on the success of Jurassic Park at the time, um, and it's from the director of Mac and Me. So you know, like you're in for quality stuff here. Um, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, but when they released it back in 94, they edited it down so that it could be released as a family film, uh, removing all of the violent action scenes, um, which is insane because when you watched him and the T-Rex, the gore cut, you're, you're left to wonder, what was left of <laughs> 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 of this movie? Uh yeah, Tammy and the T Rex the Gorka. Um, I'm not sure if I would call it a good movie, but I would call it a very very fun movie. You know, I, I had not seen the original version of it. I but I got to watch it because the Roxy, which is the movie theater in my house in Missoula Montana, um, they put it on as part of their monthly Trash Talk series, which is when they highlight like you know weird or bad or exploitation movies or that kind of thing. Uh, so Tammy and the T Rex was uh the movie uh this month. So far the best movie I've seen uh from these uh months by the way was Halloween three: Season of the Witch. Really really good. In case you uh, uh, I think we talked about this in the Halloween episode. Nick, you're not a big fan of that movie.
2: It's I I've grown on it. I really hate the romantic aspects of it so much that it's it's oh, yeah. the ultimate dad fantasy movie where some like sixty-five year old beer bellied guy is like, yeah, I'll
0: fuck a twenty-year-old <laughs> and everyone's just cool with it. Um I don't, I don't disagree know. with you there, but the movie's so much fun. It's, it's a blast. The but, song uh, is catchy. Yes, but. yeah. I was singing it for days leading up to Halloween. Uh all the, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, tell me the T-Rex. In case you're not familiar with the story of this movie, it stars Denise Richards and Paul Walker. Um, and it was 1994, and Denise Richards and Paul Walker are like boyfriend girlfriend, or like Paul Walker's the dude who likes Denise Richards, but they haven't like started dating yet. And there's this other guy that she's kind of dating. Um, but she likes Paul Walker instead. So this other guy chases Paul Walker into the zoo where he gets mauled by a lion. Uh, and <laughs> and he gets he ends up in a coma. And the, at the same time, this like evil German scientist is trying to bring this robotic T-Rex to life and he's trying to figure out how to do that and the way to do it is to implant somebody's brain into the T-Rex. So he sneaks into the hospital, grabs Paul Walker who is in a coma and implants his brain into the animatronic T-Rex and Paul Walker's brain is stuck in the T-Rex's body for the entire rest of the movie. Uh and it's a delight. I really uh, enjoyed that that romp. It's really fun seeing Paul Walker in this kind of early role like this is you know 7 years before Fast and Furious. Um so it's, uh, it's pretty wild to see him so young. And Denise Richards also. I think this is one of her first movies too. So yeah, Tammy and the T-Rex. Uh, I got to see it in the PAX Theater and that is easily the way to go if you're going to watch this movie because it's so much fun just to see everybody react to it. But obviously I know Vinegar Syndrome put out a pretty great Blu-ray set of it and uh, I might actually pick it up on Blu-ray when I get the chance. It's a lot of fun.
1: There's, There's even a 4K version of it, which is ridiculous. Yep,
0: that's the version that Vinegar Syndrome put out. It's like the beautiful, that's the version that played at the Roxy, actually. It's like the 4K restoration of the movie. Looks pristine. Looks great. Is-
2: the world is on fire and we are doing 4K restorations of Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yes. What else are we going to do? I'm shouting there. it to no
0: one because it's already happened, but <laughs> there, I don't know. There, are, I feel like there, are, to there are classic Hitchcock movies that are being lost to the sands of time. But we're doing 4K restorations of Tammy and the T-Rex. Yes, you're right. Um, But it was worth it. It was a good time. So yeah, (laughs) Tammy and the T-Rex, worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Uh, And I believe that brings us to the end of our discussions, guys. Uh, So let's move on into our featured review of The Invisible Man.
1: As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect... I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? Open the door!
0: <laughs> what happened to him?
1: He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting five million dollars. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. It can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just
2: doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Yeah.
3: Listen. You're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you.
0: Hello? (sighs) All right, that was in the trailer for The Invisible Man, the new movie written and directed by Lee Winnell. It stars Elizabeth Moss, Alvis Hodge, Storm Reed, Harriet Dyer, Michael Dorman, and Oliver Jackson Cohen, among others. And the IMDb plot synopsis for The Invisible Man reads. When Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax. As a series of coincidences turn lethal, Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by someone nobody can see. Uh, So guys, for a long time now, Universal was trying really, really hard to get a new franchise going based on classic monster properties. Of course, you know, the 30s and 40s, they had Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, and Dracula, and all that stuff. And they kind of had a shared universe going. With these movies, uh, not to the extent where it's like Marvel interconnected, like every plot point leads to a different plot point. But it's always like, hey, you know, the mummy could show up and meet the wolfman anytime; like It could always happen, you know. Uh, and Abbott and Costello would inevitably be there. Um, but <laughs> Correct. Uh, uh, and so, you know, in the years since they were trying, you know, in the last like 10 or so years, um, you know, they had the mummy from 99, which, Mike, well, like your favorite movie of all time.
1: That and Pigs. My cla- classic. <laughs> How dare you besmirch the name of the mummy like that? <laughs>
0: By comparing it to pigs. But, you know, they had the mummy movies with Brendan Fraser. They made three of those, right? And then uh, in the years since, they were trying to do something with these classic monster properties. They made Van Helsing in 2004. They made The Wolfman in 2010. They made Dracula Untold in 2014. And then they finally went all in on the shared universe concept, 2017's The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Uh, which was theoretically the first entry in what they were calling the Dark Universe. Uh, and that would have included people like Javier Bardem as Frankenstein's monster, Russell Crowe as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and Johnny Depp was lined up to play the Invisible Man. Uh, and there's a fam- oh, wow. there's a very famous photo of, that they had gathered together of all these actors. It was like Johnny Depp, Javier Bardem, Tom Cruise, uh, Sophia Butella, and uh, I think one other person, uh, Russell Crowe, I think. Uh, and they were all like, kind of gathered together in like, you know, this one studio and and Universal tweeted it and was like, the dark universe is officially a go or something like that. Uh, and then the mummy flopped <laughs> and spectacularly so it did not do well. Uh, and so the dark universe was no more. Uh, and those and so that photo like stands like a testament to like the hubris of like what studios were trying to accomplish by, by copying Marvel with the shared universe concept. Uh, now, Nick, you mentioned kind of at the top of this podcast, you're a Dracula Untold fan. Uh, I I'll, am. I want to give you the chance to defend your uh, your view over there. Should that movie have been the real start of the Dark Universe?
2: Uh, no, it, sh- it should have just been <laughs> a singular movie. Yeah. But that's, that's probably the worst part of the movie is the very end, but I'll get to that. But yeah, it's a very interesting telling of the Dracula story, mixing with like the Vlad the Impaler and just kind of like the weird cryptic things that they don't usually go into when it comes with like the vampire story so just how it affects his family and everyone around him and basically his whole town doesn't trust him and it's it's more like paranoia based for most parts and I feel like they did a pretty good job with that also it doesn't look as bad as you probably expect it to I feel okay <laughs> like is a strong word I feel like I'd heard bad things about this movie for years and then finally watched it and was like hey it wasn't half bad um it's above pigs um <laughs> how dare you the biggest issue with the movie is that after the third act there's no is pigs it. there might be a pig there's some farms there um <laughs> after the third act they bump to present day and then Charles Dance walks down the street and goes the games have just begun which is setting up for something else <laughs> that shouldn't have happened because the isn't rest of the movie isn't that how Godzilla ends
0: it's exactly oh my god that's totally <laughs> yeah, that right. is... yeah Godzilla Monster yeah. the same way yeah <laughs> That's great.
1: It's really the Charles Dance universe. You yeah. literally took you you
2: you've ended any flow my brain was on, because that's what I can think about now. You just Actually all I can think about it. is yeah, Mecha Godzilla fighting uh Dracula or something. <laughs> which we're probably like three years away from that max. We'll see how uh Godzilla versus Kong does. Yeah. But um yeah, personally I thought if they were just gonna do one-offs of all these characters dracula untold wasn't the worst thing it's just yeah the biggest issue it had is the same thing most movies nowadays have where they feel like the need to dangle 10 sequels in front of you at the end of the first one right. and the first one's not that impressive uh <laughs> so and and that being said i guess they're making more dracula movies now so my uh my dreams have been crushed
0: okay yeah i mean there was a yeah as of this recording I actually like literally about an hour ago uh, I think it was The Hollywood Reporter or The Rapper or whatever, they broke the news that Blumhouse, um, who produced this new Invisible Man movie, um, are also producing a new Dracula movie um, directed by Karen Kusama, who made Jennifer's Body um, and who also made a Destroyer with Nicole Kidman a couple years ago. Uh, and I am down for that, I think, uh, especially after Invisible Man. I think this is actually, and this is kind of leading into what I'm talking about here, Universal did what they should have done after, like, The Mummy flopped. Like, they did what they should have done in the first place, they ditched the connected universe idea and focused on just making actual horror movies. These are monsters. Like, they should be making horror movies with these characters. Right. Uh, instead of these weird like action adventure hybrids trying to ape Marvel. Um, so they outsourced the job to Blumhouse, um, who brought on Lee Whannell, who had just impressed a lot of people with Upgrade. That movie that, did, that, movie that didn't make a ton of money, um, but that was inventive and pretty well received by critics, and the result is The Invisible Man, which radically reinvents the concept of the original story and updates it into something that resonates pretty strongly in 2020, and it shifts the focus of the protagonist from The Invisible Man to the person having to suffer at the hands of The Invisible Man. And so the news that Blumhouse is working on a Dracula movie now with Karen Kusama on board uh i know i actually saw Karina longworth um who hosts you must remember this um tweeting about it saying she's heard about this pitch for a while uh you know and she saying it's amazing and she's really excited about it so there's that also but yeah so the idea that like uh, i think what you were saying nick like they're doing the kind of these standalone movies um that happen to feature the universal monsters and then maybe down the line they could try to combine them in some capacity um but just creating a standalone work first you gotta make iron man before you make the avengers you know which is what we've always been saying. Uh, and so I I feel, yeah. I feel like the Invisible Man is sort of that movie. This could be the Iron Man and then the next movie could be its own standalone thing and then the next movie could be its own standalone thing and then eventually like you know 5 6 years down the road you can make a movie where uh you know all the monsters terrorizing humanity or something. Uh, who who knows what could happen. So yeah, I think uh, there there's some st- there's potential here, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. What did you guys think of The Invisible Man, Nick, you are the guest. So we'll start with you.
2: Uh, I was a huge fan of it. Uh, I loved just the general direction that it went with it, because I feel like castles aren't scary anymore, and mad scientists aren't scary anymore, but domestic <laughs> abuse is the scariest thing in the world. So just framing it through that sort of, like, obsessive thing and the paranoia that's built around it, like, it's a very clever way to do a retelling of such a old kind of hackneyed story. I also rewatched the 30s one before seeing this movie, and just putting the two of them next to each other, you... Cannot see any similar DNA in them whatsoever, except for the fact that, you know, there's, there's a guy who's invisible at one point.
0: You can't Um, see the DNA because it's invisible, is what you're saying.
2: (laughs) I, it, notice I, I took that moment of silence to let you think about what you've said. Um. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's it's clear Universal just picked the wrong Scientologist last time, so they got the Tom Cruise out of the way. They got Elizabeth Moss. I'm assuming Beck is going to be Dracula, so it's just everything's <laughs> going to work out. I would partially. love that so
0: much. <laughs> um, but, uh, all right, You just put a movie in my head, and I'm like, man, I really want to see
2: Beck play Dracula. <laughs> And then we give the script to Mike, and he adds pigs in there for some reason.
1: Um, <laughs> Charles Dance is the post-credit scene. <laughs> but yeah, I thought
2: it was thoroughly scary. I think there's a couple plots where like, I, I the trailer got a lot of flack for giving away too much, but there's a lot of surprising moments that still happen throughout that yeah. I feel like are extremely successful because they, they had no reason to be in a trailer, and I'm glad that they weren't um and yeah if this is a brand new starting off point they couldn't have picked a better one uh if if we're gonna call this the iron man of the dooku uh (laughs) which coming out of my mouth sounds like gibberish but i'm (laughs) all right with it uh
0: yeah yeah the invisible man Uh, and yeah i think it is actually the iron man comparison even works like on another level because i think we talked about this in avengers when avengers endgame came out but Iron Man was an odd movie to start off a cinematic universe off of, you know. It's it's basically what Marvel had access to, but it wasn't one of the A-list heroes. And I feel like the Invisible Man also not one of the A-list universal monsters, you know. He's not Frankenstein, he's not Dracula, he's the Invisible Man. He's he's made a few movies, but he's the Invisible exactly. Man. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you got to make that really strong first movie first and then, you know, you get the other stuff uh, later. So yeah, looking forward to uh, what's coming from there. But Mike, what were your thoughts on the Invisible Man?
1: Yeah, I had a really, really good time uh, with this movie. I wasn't really sure what to expect. I had seen the trailer and was kind of like, oh, man, I hope this isn't all the scary bits. Uh, And it definitely sort of it's it's not all the scary bits, but there are moments where I was like, this would have been way better if I hadn't known this was happening from the trailer, especially the one uh, like the the breath in the cold uh, at night, like when she walks out the door, which I feel like is the big like standout scene, maybe in the trailer. That's
0: That's a great moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that would have been so much more powerful if I didn't know it was coming. Uh, But that said, uh, that's just my, like, anti-trailer stance. Um, (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I thought the direction, there's a lot of really cool, uh, like, camera stuff they do to just, like, naturally build tension because, you know, the whole thing with the Invisible Man is you know, you can't see him. So like, how do you portray that presence? Um, And somehow like this movie makes like an empty door frame, like terrifying. And that, that, that experience, that feeling of just like, Please, like, stop holding on this shot, please, please cut away, please cut away, please cut away. Why haven't you cut away yet? Uh, which just goes on for so much in this movie, and uh, the performances are really great. Elizabeth Moss is entirely believable uh, about everything that's happening to her, and um, I'm really glad too that it doesn't it doesn't really spend. Much time with the audience questioning what's happening. It's all about the other characters not believing her, but the audience, like this movie takes her seriously and you believe what's happening as an audience member, which I felt is like a good, a good to like a a good stance to take. Like, I don't want the movie to be like, well, is it real? Ooh, we don't know. This crazy girl, (laughs) like this crazy woman. But it's like, no, this shit's real. It's happening. It's like, don't doubt this. And then everyone else is the asshole, Uh, which is really cool. Yeah. So definitely, definitely big thumbs up on Visible Man, which is, which is also. I hope, I hope we get some really cool stuff out of this. I, the Dracula thing sounds promising, hopefully, maybe. So yeah, it'll be cool to see the Blumhouse Dark Universe, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think The Invisible Man is great. I had a great time with this movie. Uh, I mean, it takes a very old story, makes it feel completely fresh, um, and essentially gives us something completely original within the confines of the same concept. Like you were saying, Nick, like you compared this to the 30s version, it's nothing like that movie. And formally, this feels like an upgrade for Lee Whannell from Upgrade. Uh, <laughs> there's another <laughs> one. There's some really classical horror set pieces here, uh, which I really enjoyed. And the opening sequence, which is almost completely silent, I thought it was just like a masterclass class yeah. in uh, tension and delivering exposition, too. I thought it was really effective in doing that. Uh, and Elizabeth Moss, I mean, just one of the best actors working today. I think she's incredible. I mean, you know, I've watched her on Mad Men. I've watched her. I wanted to watch The Handmaid's Tale for a while and never got around to it. But her smell, if you haven't seen her smell yet, like. Unbelievable performance, like absolute knockout. Uh, and she's also great in this movie. Uh, not a surprise because she's the best in everything. But considering how much of the movie hinges on her acting against nothing, um, it's very impressive the, what she's able to accomplish with this movie. Uh, I
1: wondered how, how much of this uh, is just the guy in like a green morph suit so that he could actually be there or if there's actually nobody there, which is interesting.
0: I don't know. I, like me and my girlfriend were leaving the movie and we were thinking to ourselves like this. This was really scary and a ton of fun and like really enjoyed it. But also, like, I really want to see what it was like on set when it was just Elizabeth Moss punching air. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) But to that end, I also want to give some props to the sound design in this movie, too, which is just stellar. Um, And I think, you know, because you remove a major visual element from the film, I think it makes every sound feel vital. Um, and, And as you're constantly searching the frame, trying to figure out where he might be, like the slightest, like, squeak on the floorboard, you like kind of like... You know your eyes dart to one side of the frame or whatever, and all that stuff. I think it's really effective in, uh, in doing that
1: yeah, there's one thing uh I want to bring up in spoilers that is related to that slash I might be in crazy uh so okay. <laughs> stand by for questions about that. I guess
0: you're saying you saw some pigs in this movie is what you're saying
1: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Did you hear the oinks? That's what I want to know yeah.
0: <laughs> I've been hearing oinks nonstop ever since I saw pigs. <laughs> This is why I haven't watched the movie. It's like the, it's like the videotape in The Ring, where after seven days, you start, after seven days you just start hearing oinks everywhere.
1: You get turned into bread and fed to pigs.
0: <laughs> uh, and is this
1: the direction you
2: wanted the podcast to go?
0: <laughs> uh, I, uh, we're
1: here now, so yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and obviously, you know, back to The Invisible Man, you know, we know <laughs> that The Invisible Man is there because we're seeing a movie called The Invisible Man, right? Um, but, the, but the movie I think does a pretty good job of making um, Elizabeth Moss's growing desperation at the fact that nobody believes her really, really compelling. Um, and it does you know what the best horror does which is taking a genre construct and using it to create social commentary and doing it really effectively. like the idea that like nobody believes her because, uh, because you know they think Adrian is dead, you know but it's like mirroring like the actual, Abusive relationships that people have in real life, where it's like and people may not believe you necessarily. It's like a, a believe women sort of thing. So it really does that effectively very well too.
1: Yeah, that was really cool. And I think I even saw an interview uh, with uh, Lee Winell where uh, they asked to, he they asked him about that, and he said that the studio or somebody or or test audiences or something were like, "Oh, we want a scene before everything, like a prologue, where we see the abuse happening." Uh, and he was like, "Absolutely not! Like the whole plot hinges on that. You have to believe." Uh, elizabeth Moss's character at her word about this stuff is happening mm. i was like wow that's a yeah. pretty astute observation i think uh, uh,
2: i feel like it's it's so impactful because you don't see it like it's the fear yeah. in her eyes is enough to give it away for anything and like Mike. Smith was saying, "Sorry, two mics." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, the that opening scene where it's just silence. You see her creep about, and it's literally the whole point of the movie is what's scariest is what you don't see. The fact that you know that she has this history, and you're just getting it. Like even someone opening the door in like the second act is still kind of skeeving her out, right? Because she's just used to that being like a trigger towards something negative. So it's just, I think that's a brilliant way to go about it. And yeah, spamming people with, "Well, this is him hitting her." That doesn't make the movie any better it's just yeah that would be distasteful
0: exactly yeah so uh yeah that's the Invisible man we really like the movie and i think we got a lot more to say in spoilers so do you guys have any other pre-spoiler thoughts you want to get out there before we move on to that
1: it's a good movie yeah Yeah.
2: you see that guy's biceps maybe that's a spoiler when that guy (laughs) leans over at the table i was like there's no reason elizabeth moss is not bringing up the fact that somehow he works as a cop and has enough time to be
1: that jacked uh (laughs) yeah i don't know talk about talk about sheriff hunks Ugh. like like in pigs <laughs> stop it
0: maybe here stop are pigs it. for a living who knows maybe maybe this one is what it's all leading up to it's a backdoor sequel to pigs my Just god no he it. is the pig he's a cop
1: oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's the connection
2: l is making a movie about pigs
0: <laughs> in a roundabout sort of way yeah it's a metaphor uh yeah. all right let's move on to spoilers <laughs> for the what, you don't like movie. this uh, oh, it's fine. It's great. I love it so much. And we can continue it in spoilers if you want. Uh, but we're going to move on to spoilers for The Invisible Man, starting right now.
3: You're
0: everything. All right, it's time for spoilers for The Invisible Man. And uh, I'm just going to say uh, the moment where Adrian suddenly kills Cecilia's sister at the dinner table um, oh. made me gasp out loud in the theater. And it was like, you know, a very loud <laughs> gasp. <laughs> like the kind of gasp where like people were looking at me kind of thing <laughs> um is that but it was, okay yeah but it was just one of the most like intense and sudden and i think affecting deaths i've seen in a horror movie in a long long time um and i think it was just so skillfully done it's so quick like it just happens so quickly and like you know you see the knife like it doesn't even register that the knife is floating in the air for a second and then it happens and you're like oh shit uh it's really really effective so uh, that that whole sequence i thought was just like incredible and like what it means for elizabeth moss's character and where it like sends her uh just superb like really well done but yeah other other spoiler stuff that you guys wanted to bring up nick anything you want to uh, mention
2: Well, well even just specifically that knife thing that was one thing i'm very happy that obviously they shouldn't show that in the trailer but based off of everything else they showed i was almost expecting something like that to be there but it was almost like in hereditary when spoiler alert for that movie when you know Charlie does tell that. Yeah. When the telephone pole comes yeah. out, but even that's almost set up more where you're expecting something very bad to happen. But in this moment, you're just like, Oh yeah, they're having dinner. They're talking it out. And then all of a sudden her neck is slit. And yeah, I had the exact same moment. I can keep my composure in a movie theater. but um, <laughs> Yeah. It was just at that, that was a moment where it's just like, okay, the whole rest of the movie is going to have to deal with this. And yes. there's just no ifs, ands or buts around it. Um, but that yeah, additionally, just uh, the way that they handle the actual act of being invisible, where it's it's not some magic elixir or something that he's eaten, or a, I think it's a desert flower or something in the uh, in the book, in the original movie. Right. But just, yeah, the it's a suit. He works for optics. You don't need any more than that. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just yeah. enough explanation. Uh, and uh, the way that it was, like, flashing in and out in the third act, especially in the rain, yeah. like, that was scarier almost than like, people flying around when they're getting hit by an invisible thing, is just seeing something for a split second and then disappearing. Yeah. And even just the paint earlier when she throws it down from the attic and it finally reveals him, like, there's these are very effective moments. And the fact that they waited so long for that reveal, I think, really allows it to play off better. Because, yeah, a lot of movies, especially if Universal was still handling this wholeheartedly, like... They would have had the invisible man like pull off his mask in like the first scene and be like, It's me, I'm invisible, and then put the suit back on <laughs> and then he'd walk through. And the Charles Dance would be in the distance pointing at him, going,
0: That's the guy. Charles Dance holding a pig on a leash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Doing the don't look now uh, point. <laughs> uh,
0: do you mean the invasive body snatchers point? Is that what you're thinking
1: of? With Donald Sutherland? Yeah. I guess I do. I'm a dummy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh,
0: any other, any spoiler stuff that you wanted to bring up, Mike, anything uh, in particular that, you, that stood out
1: to you? Um, yeah, I think that attic scene, like before, like right before the paint, uh, when oh, she yeah. calls the cell phone and it's up in the attic above the house. And that was some of the most tense shit ever. Just the like uh, lit by a cell phone flashlight, basically kind of, or I think it was a regular flashlight, but still, yeah, terrifying. Just like the moment of dread of her, like finding the shit that's missing, like the the, the art portfolio and like the, all that stuff. Uh, being up there and the kitchen knife that I think he stole in the beginning when he lights the, the, the food, the breakfast on fire. Right. What do you like? Turns the thing, uh, the pan up. Yeah. And then just the reveal of her, like dumping the paint can down the down the ladder. And it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. He's three feet in front of you. Yeah. Uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but the thing I wanted to mention before uh, with the sound, can you hear the cameras on the suit readjusting the whole movie? Did anyone else notice that oh.
0: uh-huh. Like while he's invisible? You're saying?
1: Yes. Cause I think there's the moment where she like turns the, she like goes to his house and she like hits the button on the wall and like the, the cameras turn off and the suit reveals itself like the extra one he has. Yeah. And there's like the cameras turning and readjusting and there's like these kind of like electronic whirring kind of noises. And there was this, I don't mean I have no idea. I might be imagining this, but there was this, like the sound that kept happening and I was like, some motherfuckers got to put their phone on vibrate. Like why is there text <laughs> message happening this whole movie? And then, uh, that sound happened and I was like, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> has that been like this kind of like, uh, you know, subconscious thing that we can hear him the whole movie, but we're not really aware of it. Um, yep. so I'm going to have to, you know, get the Blu-ray, I guess when it comes out or watch <laughs> it, uh, on streaming cause we'll be quarantined by then. Um, uh, yep. and, uh, and check it out and see if that's actually there or if I, that was somebody's cell phone, uh, buzzing or whatever. <laughs> and, right. uh, I put that in there and added more stuff to the movie. So, uh, good job, B, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't... Um, I mean, the sound design of this movie is incredible, and there could be some stuff like that like hidden throughout the movie, um, for sure. Uh, w- one thing I did want to actually quickly mention is that um, one of my favorite things about this movie is the way there's a lot of like payoffs to things that happen that don't seem like setups, uh, which I really loved. Um, specifically, I mean, you mentioned the breakfast scene where they put out the fire, the fire extinguisher. I never expected to see the fire extinguisher again. Like, that was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and um you know maybe that was just me being dumb but like it seemed like you know like it just didn't register in my mind that that's a setup for a different thing and so when it comes back into play at the end of the movie it's like oh shit they have a fire extinguisher this is great uh, <laughs> and she that. knows
1: where it is now yes yeah. well exactly. even and like couple. The,
2: the security cool. cameras in the beginning of the movie and then the very very end like obviously yes, yeah. you, you don't even really need to set that up but the fact that they do they do that little bit of extra work it just makes it yes. makes it all the more worth it.
0: Exactly, and uh, yeah, the security cameras, in that opening sequence especially, I think there's some killer stuff there. I mean, I think it was um, C. Robert Cargill was um, talking about it on Twitter, um, who was the co-writer of uh, Sinister with uh, er, with Ethan Hawke and Doctor Strange. Uh, one really smart thing it, this movie does is have Cecilia set her phone to watch Adrian as he sleeps while she's trying to escape um, like through the security camera, and it kind of like sets up the idea like even before all the Invisible Man stuff happens, she's dependent on seeing what Adrian is up to uh, during that whole sequence. Uh, and I think that's Whoa. pretty awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was a really, really cool observation from a CR cargo. I wanted to uh, point that out there. Cause uh, yeah, just add it's, it's another layer to that opening sequence, which is just so beautifully shot and beautifully composed. And just uh, the sound design in that sequence is so good. Uh, and you know, it sets up the fact that there's a dog in the house and all that stuff and
1: everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that sequence uh, sets up the, the use of that, like the, that slow turn to an empty hallway. Right. And then like slowly turns back to Cecilia and that does nothing that time. But, uh, it tells you like this shit's coming back yeah. <laughs> and, <it's>, uh, <laughs> and like, and just the, the, uh, absolute, absolutely like imposing menace of a empty hallway, Yeah, uh, in that see- in that sequence and what that's going to do for the rest of the movie. Uh, it's pr- pretty intense.
0: Yeah. And that, and that sequence, I believe also shows you like some, of the you know, scientist awards or whatever that, uh, yeah (laughs) that um adrian has that he's like you know sort of an optics guy and like you see a glimpse of like not the suit but like where the suit is basically um in that sequence too because it's invisible and you can't see it um (laughs) (laughs) uh, and so it sets up a lot of that stuff that's going to pay off later on in the movie which uh, is really effectively done
1: yeah i I do really appreciate too the the kind of like well thank god we invented that oxygen machine uh (laughs) level level of exposition that he's an optics guy like that's all we need to know I yeah, love that that is much. so perfect
0: Yeah.
2: no it should it should have been like a quiet place where there's a wipe off board and it just says what are his strengths <laughs> optics meanness like just write it down in bullet points <laughs> yeah. and then she could have looked at it with a big the third mark. Act.
0: yeah <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is just think back on a quiet place with that big newspaper that says it's sound and yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the best but, but yeah uh and then yeah throughout the movie i mean i think one of the most effective things about the movie is just the way everyone thinks she's losing her grip on reality as the movie is going on i think when um when adrian smacks the girl and her dad thinks cecilia did it yeah because he's the invisible and you know can't, and, and the girl even thinks cecilia did it because it happens so quick like that's a really effective sequence and that's the that's the stuff that leads right into the stuff with the attic and the paints and everything um and the big yeah. then the big kind of fight sequence where she's fighting him in the living room but then there's that job interview where her work is mysteriously missing too and all that stuff. There's just ways that were like everybody else around her thinks she's going nuts. Um and Elizabeth Moss's performance plays into that and like it's really, really effectively done. So yeah, that's that's really great.
2: Uh and uh, just one I this is very, very near the end, but just even leading back into the no one believing her, even when it is revealed that she officially kills the invisible man and then it's the brother, everyone's yeah. just like case solved adrian's fine and she still has to fight for this after all that time um yeah, yeah. and that was that that's uh, one thing i loved is that they, you expect okay it's the climax the movie's over and then there's 20 more minutes of the tensest dinner scene i've ever seen oh. and just the two, just awkwardly like trying to get him to say the words that it's just it, it was flawless and like that's it it elevated the movie from because originally I was like, oh, they just shot him. It, that worked, I guess. But that's right. a little bit of a that's a it's not the most climactic thing you could do, especially after like an hour and 40 minutes of building him up as scary, dude. But, uh, right. you know, he's mean. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it, when when it revealed that um, Tom, Adrian's brother, was like in the Invisible Man suit and he was the one that died in that and when they shot him. Uh, like I was a little like, uh, okay. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, honestly, I wasn't sure if it needed it. It felt like maybe one extra twist too many. And we ultimately, I think, arrive at the same place narratively a few minutes later as we would have if it was Adrian in the suit. Um, but that dinner scene is great. Like that's, that like that sequence is awesome. Like I wouldn't trade that sequence for anything. Um, so it's like one thing to just kind of get to that sequence, I guess. But, uh, I don't know that, like, I feel like I might've liked the reveal that it was Tom more if Tom was more of a character in the movie, I guess. Because yeah. he's, or, really only, yeah. he's really only in, like, two two to three scenes in the movie, and then he's like, hey, it's me, and I'm dead. Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: but is, is Actu- supposed actual to be, dialogue from the movie, by the way. Is that um, supposed to be set up where if she, like, uh, is he going to get money out of it? Like, that was the one thing I was trying to figure out. Because when he's trying to get her to, like, admit to being crazy, I was like, is Adrian going to give him money for doing this? Like, what's the payoff here? Not that they right. need to set that up, but I was expecting there to be some, like, and there was the clause in his will that said for this. And I was like, oh, OK, so that's why they're setting it up. But no, he's just kind of he's a dick like his brother. So it, it's hereditary, <laughs> I guess. Are, are we getting did we get a Charles Dance moment in the end? Because she kind of like packs the suit further into her purse. Like, are the games about to begin? I love it.
0: I love that we're calling that the Charles Dance moment. now. That's
2: great. <laughs> it's better than the pigs moment. Um,
1: Fair. <laughs> Anyway, it sort of it, it had this like midsummer feel uh, where she like almost yeah. smiles at the camera and then cut to black. Yeah, yeah but I that that whole uh, sequence at the dinner dinner table was incredible. I was just, like, I I figured that like this is it, like she lost uh, kind of deal where he figures out that he's she's probably wearing a wire kind of thing, right? Because he's a psycho or whatever. Uh, but yeah, what a, what a triumph uh, when, he, when she just slits his throat <laughs> In the invisible seat Yes,
0: that's, that's really effective And I think, um, you know, in addition to the Tom thing It's one of those things where I feel like The more I think about it, I really dig it And I think it works as the ending to the movie It's also one of those things where if I think about it too long It's like but when the police arrive, isn't their first thought going to be like, wait, isn't this the guy with the invisible suit? <laughs> do, you, do you think the <laughs> His <girl's> brother gonna... <laughs> had it
1: the whole time?
0: <laughs> like, I feel like it, it takes a couple of like logical leaps, but it works ultimately um, in, in an emotional and narrative place in the movie. So, it, you know, I'm OK with it. Um, and yeah, I think what I like about the ending, too, is it feels like a natural conclusion to her story while also potentially being that Charles Dance moment. You know, laying the groundwork for a sequel. You know, should there be one, and I'm guessing there will be based on how successful this one has been. Um, this movie had a budget of seven million dollars. It's about to cross a hundred million, I think, as of this recording. Um, wow! So it's doing. I mean, it's it's the Blumhouse thing where they spend, they give you kind of like you know tiny budgets and get big rewards out of it um, if the movie is really good. So uh, and that is the case with the Invisible Man. Uh, so it really worked out for them this time around, and obviously it's going to work if they're doing Dracula and probably Invisible Man too, and you know they're going to launch a whole series of. Universal monster movies, probably. And it's all thanks to The Invisible Man.
2: Who uh, could have seen that coming?
0: Yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, after The Mummy, it seemed like this was like this was dead. <laughs> like, who, who wants these uh, dark universe movies anymore? And it turns out, hey, if you actually make good horror movies, people will go see them. Who knew? Um, yeah, who knew? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, uh, And also want to praise the uh, the action filmmaking in this, too. Um, there's the big fight between Cecilia and Adrian in the house and in the attic, um, which is very effective. And again, it's Elizabeth Moss punching air, essentially. And like she's doing a really good job of it. Um, but espe- <laughs> but especially the sequence when they're escaping the mental hospital and like, you know, she's trying to get, get away from Adrian and Adrian's trying to escape out of her and chase her out of there. And Adrian just like annihilates like 20 guys or Adrian or Tom or whoever, like it's one of the like whoever's in the suit, I guess. Um, yeah, but it, it, they just annihilate like 20 dudes getting out of there and like people are getting shot and like their arms are getting bent and it's like it's the camera moves with them too as it's happening um which is which reminded me of upgrade a lot um which is like how all the action is shot in upgrade uh and it almost feels like out of place in this movie where it suddenly turns into like this like one take action sequence that's happening in the middle of a hallway like old boy or something but
1: (laughs) yeah
0: but it was really really cool like i can't complain about it so there is that
1: yeah i really uh sort of expected uh the cops to kill her in that sequence i was like is this going to be some kind of like dark uh commentary on police brutality yeah. uh where they've just a bunch of cops have gotten hurt or killed and she's running around a a uh, parking lot with a gun one of their guns that she stole <laughs> I was right. like they're definitely going to come around a corner and blow her away and this movie's going to be sad yeah uh, but it's not so that's nice yeah, there you go <laughs> definitely i feel like that's gotta be on purpose though right like to play with that expectation possibly yeah Yeah, i I feel like i feel like the movie wouldn't have
2: as positive word of mouth if everyone was like hey so the main character gets shot by the police in the third (laughs) act also that invisible guy still out there Still out
0: there.
1: It's actually his brother this time. Oh wait.
0: Uh, anyway, other kind of small stuff throughout the movie. Uh, just some good spooky ghost type stuff. I like like the blanket that won't budge because it has footprints on it. Like it's you know yeah very simple, very effective uh stuff. And when she throws the blanket and it looks like there's like just I think when she enters the house and there's like the um it looks like a ghost is standing at the end of the hallway. Um yeah and it turns and it turns out no it's just everything is covered in sheets basically because you know Adrian's dead. I thought that was like just a really like effective beat. And then it turns into a, pre- a kind of funny beat when it turns out like, Oh, okay. Everything's covered in sheets. Uh, good stuff.
1: I was really hoping like the head was going to turn though. Like <laughs> that's would have been so good. <laughs> and
0: that would, I mean, that wouldn't have made any sense because he was behind her when she was uh, like, like, he wasn't in the Uber or maybe he was, cause he was invisible. Who knows?
1: Uh, yeah, we don't know. He,
0: I mean, he does make it to the house eventually. Uh, there yeah. was that one moment where it looked like he was going to hit the dog and I was very upset about it. And then nothing really happens out of that
2: um oh, i was very happy yes yeah they they make it set up so much where it's like oh the dog's coming dog's coming dog's coming we're gonna hear a whimper and the dog's gonna be on the floor and i'm gonna leave this movie but instead that <laughs> yeah, was good to dogs so he's really not that mean i guess is what i'm saying
0: <laughs> in crazy. the end he's okay to dogs so there is that um Although it does seem like the dog wants to leave with Elizabeth Moss in the in the early scene, right? Whenever he sees her, he's like, yeah, oh, he's got leave. the shack collar. Yeah, whenever, yeah, it seems like he oh, is yeah. like slightly abusive to that dog at least. But I'm we just don't saying,
2: see- give the yeah. guy some slack,
0: you know? he's, he's been through a lot. <laughs> he's, he died for a short while. He's, um, he's he's invisible now. I mean, come on. <laughs>
1: yeah. Does cancel culture have an end? Come on. <laughs> Separate the art from the artist. I th- hey fuck all that we just said that was bad
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think it was
1: very clearly in a joking tone but
0: <laughs> anyway uh, alright any other final thoughts on the Invisible Man guys before we start wrapping this thing up
1: it's good <laughs> yeah it's
0: really good <laughs> good yeah I, I really enjoyed it too and uh, yeah it's really really solid If you're uh, especially you know I feel like these past couple of months like these first few months of 2020 have been like pretty rough at the movies as far as like stuff being released you know it's, I mean it's you know January February that's typical I guess but I feel like These past couple months have felt even more dire. I feel like I've seen a lot of really bad movies. I saw, you know, The Turning, and I saw Fantasy Island, and I, you know, I saw, you know, some really shitty movies.
1: Uh, Brahms the Boy Two.
0: I'll I'll kind of vouch for Brahms the Boy Two, but yeah, it's not great. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, That
1: February bump.
0: That February bump, exactly. Um, But so, The Invisible Man's actually looks really, really good. Really solid horror uh, being released in February, and people should go check it out. And uh, people have been. It's it's been doing very well at the box office uh so yeah that is the invisible man and i believe that brings us to the end of our episode guys so uh nick thanks for joining us uh this week hey. sorry you couldn't join us for a james bond episode in april but uh hopefully we'll get you back on again in november actually i realized um the date that no time to die was moved to uh is the same date that godzilla versus kong is supposed to come out which is the other movie that we told you you would be able to come back for so uh if if, if godzilla versus kong doesn't move we can do a double review um
2: that's gonna be the longest episode you've ever recorded, whether you want it to be or not. Um,
0: <laughs> you
1: I'll gotta be beat our end game.
2: Yeah, I'll be submitting a long form audio file of me talking by myself if you guys leave, because I'll have a
0: lot to say. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first, I mean, we have to do a retrospective of all twenty-four James Bond movies, <laughs> and then review No Time to Die, and then review Godzilla has gone So it's gonna be, uh yeah, that'll be a long one sometime in November, but.
1: And you have the Criterion Godzilla uh, collection, so we can watch every Godzilla movie. Oh,
0: God. Yeah, I could. Oh, God. <laughs> we could do. Th- How about, Nick? You watch all the James Bond movies, I'll watch all the Godzilla movies, and then we come back for a super episode where Mike is also there. <laughs> Sounds perfect. <laughs> or, Mike, why don't you just watch Pigs again?
1: Yeah. Hey, I'm and in. Talk w- about- It'll be a- when animals attack. I'm in. Hey, yeah, there
0: you go. <laughs> well, well, animals and also James Bond, who, in a way, yeah. is like an animal of a man um so we
1: don't know if there is not a spy in pigs <laughs> <laughs> there certainly can we don't be. know
0: if there's an invisible man in pigs we just don't know exactly <laughs> he could be in every movie he yeah. could be yeah it's true uh all right so nick where can we find you online this week if people want to check you out
2: online you can find me same usual place at Downey plus ultra on twitter uh big brother still hasn't come for me there uh i have <laughs> yeah. that full corporate account uh, yep. You can also find me washing my hands for at least 20 seconds at a time, because uh, it's it's proper to, uh, you know, keep disease from spreading. And if the world ends, we'll never get that fourth alien movie. So uh, let's uh, let's 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 keep at it.
0: Fourth for the alien. Movie? That what fourth Ridley about? Scott alien movie. Am I not? Oh, OK, clear? I thought, well, <laughs> OK, yes. Fourth Ridley Scott alien movie, the third movie in like this alien prequel trilogy that he's trying to make um which, wait there were others i mean uh i mean there are at least a couple others uh, maybe we should do an alien retrospective one of these days although i i also feel like you're never going to see that third release Scott alien movie anyway now that disney owns fox but yeah anyway, anyway. uh <laughs> keep hope alive is what we're saying nick uh that's keep what we're here for keep reaching for that rainbow uh and <laughs> mike what do you uh where can we find you online this week
1: you can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd.
0: And you can find me at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's my decree show. That is Nick Wormuth. And don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, hit us up at Mike, Mike Go to the at gmail.com. And you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the Review Zoo, which is a podcast about all kinds of geek news and stuff. Uh, So in two weeks, uh, we're going to be back with a feature review of A Quiet Place Part 2, A Quieter Place. Is
1: that really what it's called? No, it's not actually what it's called. (laughs) Okay. I would believe it is the problem. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, A Quiet Place Part 2 is
0: our next episode. I believe uh, our boy Vin Craig is going to be joining us for that one. Uh, So that should be a ton of fun. Uh, He was actually supposed to join us for this episode originally. uh, And when I asked him, he said, much like the characters in the movie, I have not seen The Invisible Man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's always got a joke
0: yeah exactly but uh, but so when No Time to Die uh, got pushed I asked Nick to be on this one and you graciously accepted so thank you again for that and keep an eye out for the next episode of Jeff Goldblum and Complete Works Podcast where we'll be looking at Goldblum's role in Paul Mazursky's 1976 semi-autobiographical comedy drama Next Stop Greenwich Village uh, which also features early performances from Christopher Walken and Bill Murray uh, so really looking forward to that one uh, should be a good time. And uh, that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. Sink. That was good. That was perfect. We, opened, hey. we nailed it at once. That's great.
1: Nail it in nailed,
0: two. Nailed it in two. Mikey and Nikki two takes over here.
2: Here we go. That's the <laughs> peak of the
1: episode. <laughs> it's all downhill from this point forward. Yeah. I look forward to hearing that at the end of the episode.